0: So this morning our focus is on 12 lies people believe about marriage. 12 lies people believe about marriage. And our standard of reference still remains the Bible. It still remains the Bible, not tradition, not culture, not a talk show host, but the Bible. Let me say this morning, I'm a pastor. Of course, you should know that. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to be speaking, not just because I'm a pastor, that's why I'm speaking from the Bible, but because that is God's standard of reference. The reason is this, God is the one that invented and created marriage. The day you invent your own institution, we will learn from you how to do it. Just, um, uh, for instance, if you have a Mercedes-Benz, you know, you can't learn how to operate that Mercedes-Benz from Kamaru, by the roadside. Huh? A Nigerian roadside mechanic cannot create the manual to operate a G-Wagon. Because it was not produced in Nigeria, and it was not produced on the roadside. It must come from Germany, where they produced it. In the same way, if you're going to get marriage right, you must understand the intention and the standard of operation of the person that invented it. What does it seek to achieve? What does it take to make the marriage successful? And that's why the Bible is going to be our primary reference. Like I've told us time and time again, number one is the scripture, and number two is statistics. Because statistics don't lie. Liars may use statistics, but statistics don't lie. There are certain people that don't even know the Bible. They don't know the God of the scriptures. But they are given to research. And there are certain things they have studied over the years. And it always lines up with the Bible. It always lines up with the Bible. And today I'm going to be reading out a lot of statistics. And I'm going to be reading out a lot of scriptures. Praise the Lord. So let's also be aware, I'm not speaking from my experience. Because the experience of a man can be a lie also. That's why the Bible says, let God be true and let every man be a liar. So our standard of reference is the Bible. I want us to also understand that the number of people who believe a lie will not convert the lie into a truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if 7 billion people, out of almost 8 billion people we have on the surface of the earth today, believe a lie, it won't convert that lie into the truth because a large number of people believe it. For instance, if everybody believes that the wall at the back, everybody in this auditorium, if you believe that it is black, it does not make it black because it is white. I say, ah, oh, but so, so and so person believes it is black. This person also believes it's black. Pastor, you are the only one that believes it's white. You see, if the fact that everybody believes it is black does not make it black, and the same way we need to understand that the number of years people have believed a lie it does not convert a lie into the truth. So the fact that people have believed something for, let's say, 20 years or 50 years, and they've embraced it as a lifestyle, does not mean it is true. If it does not align with God's word and principles and standard, then it remains a lie. We're going to be starting out from John chapter 8 and verse 32 this morning. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And we're also going to be taking questions this morning. I intend to do that. So if you have questions, it might even be about what I'm going to be talking about, or maybe another topic or uh, another issue apart from what we're addressing specifically this morning. We'll be taking time out to do that this morning. That's one of the things we do at Love Lounge. We give time, you know, for Q and A. John chapter eight and verse thirty-two. Let's read out loud together. One to go? And you shall know the truth, and what will happen and the truth will make who free will make the person that knows it free it says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free so knowing the truth is a personal non-transferable responsibility no one can know the truth for you you must know the truth for yourself did you see that god knows the truth But what God knows is not going to be helpful to you. You must know the truth. You must know the truth. Because if you don't know it, what you don't know can benefit you. So it's important we know that. And the converse of that scripture is also true. (laughs) And what's the converse? You shall know and believe a lie and the lie shall keep you bound. Because if the truth will make you free, the lie will keep you in bondage. The lie will keep you in bondage. So if the truth makes me, the lies will keep you bound. And so we need to realize that if we're going to experience the freedom, the fulfillment, the utmost of what God wants us to experience in marriage. We must understand the truth that governs the success of every marriage. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It says, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you that you shall no more be priest to me. Seeing you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Did you see that? It's not saying the priest will know the truth. It says you must know the truth. It's very important you realize that. It didn't say that people are destroyed because the devil is at work. You know, when people's marriage fails, people believe, you know, there are some forces that did not want them to marry in the first place. That's why it didn't work out. You know, maybe God was not involved in the marriage. I often tell people, you know, in counseling, you see, that if you are married, except if someone's life is at risk or your life is under threat, once you are married, God plans for you to marry. You make it work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Except someone's destiny and life is threatened. Because sometimes I, you know, maybe I was not supposed to make that, you know, you don't want to. <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that way. Praise the Lord doesn't work out that way my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge and you see I love the word he used. it says because you have rejected knowledge I will also reject you it simply means nobody huh? nobody believes a lie without having been exposed to the truth at one point in their lives or the other they simply rejected it you know the word ignorance is actually from the word ignore it simply means you had the truth but you ignored it that nah, no no I still choose to believe what I want to believe. First Chronicles 12 and verse 32. The Bible says the children of Esau, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, they became the heirs right of them. 200. And all their brethren were at their commands. Simply because they had understanding. Simply because they had understanding. Isaiah 5 and verse thirteen, The Bible says my people are gone into captivity simply because they have no knowledge. They have no knowledge. They have no knowledge. Some people have little knowledge. <laughs> Some people even have no knowledge. You do see that. People go into captivity, not because the devil is powerful. Let me tell you this. When you embrace the truth of God's word, you will realize how powerless the devil is. You will realize how powerful the devil is. <laughs> you know, I came across, you know, um, like a friend of ours. Posted a video yesterday on Instagram, and so you know, sometimes when I check some of those things, I just like to read people's comments. You know, very funny video. She she was talking about the fact that um, lately she has been dreaming and eating in her sleep. So she was saying thank you to the people bringing the food for being thoughtful of her. Now said they should increase the frequency. So, <laughs> something I wrote in the question, you know, like someone was afraid for her in the comment section. Now, for someone to talk like that, there is something she knows that you don't know. Because growing up, if you had in your dream, what does that mean? Ah, they, are, they have gotten you. They are years. They are finally caught up with you. They've gotten you. What to get? <laughs> but there is something she knows that made her talk like that. See, no matter how powerful the devil is, you can render him ineffective in your life if you have the knowledge of the truth of God's word. That's why the Bible says, My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Because they have no knowledge. So it's important to lay that foundation. What are the things you need to know for marital peace? foundational understanding this morning that i want to give to us because we've spoken about you know we've done love lounge in a while and so in case some of us have forgotten some of these things i want to remind us the first thing i want to talk about this morning as a way of understanding is this your association matters to god your association matters to god never forget that and so if your association matters to him will you marry matters much more to him because for many people, they believe that the decision of who to marry, especially for those of us that are single, you know, it does not really matter. Since I've gotten to a marriageable age, my biological clock is ticking, then I can just marry whom I choose. Fantastic. But you are in the wrong. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 19 and verse 1 to 2. Second Chronicles, I need the person behind that system to be very fast because I have a long way to go this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 1 to 2 second Chronicles 19 1 to 2 let's read together one to go and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem and Jehu the son of Anani the seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat should you help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord therefore is a wrath upon you from before the Lord Jehoshaphat, if you have read the stories of the kings of Israel, Jehoshaphat was someone that the Bible says his heart was right with God. He did that which was right before God. But God had a problem with him. And it's as if this guy has a low self-esteem. I have the time I refer to some, of, some other scriptures. Even though he had a relationship with God, he was not deliberate about the relationship he was choosing. It wasn't deliberate. It just said, oh, because my own heart is right with God, then it doesn't matter who I associate with. That's why God had to send a prophet to him. He said, are you supposed to be helping the ungodly and are you supposed to love? It simply means who you love matters to God. God is paying attention. He said, are you supposed to love those that hate the Lord? He says, as a result of what you have done, God's wrath has come upon you. Not because you did that which was wrong in the sight of God, but because you associated with the wrong person. So even if your friendship, if your friendship is that important to God, now imagine the choice of who to marry as a single person. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 35. Second Chronicles 20, 35. Let me just show that before going on. I'm going to be reading to verse 37. Second Chronicles, if you can, you know, do everything together, so we'll have to be waiting. Second Chronicles 20, 35 to 37. The Bible says, let's read together one to go. And after this, the Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined himself with Azziah, king of Israel, who did what? You can see this guy again. What exactly is your problem? And they joined themselves with him to do what? Make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made the ships in Eziongiva. Then Eleazar, the son of Dodava, <laughs> Of Marisha prophesied against Jehoshaphat saying, Because you have joined thyself with Isaiah, the Lord has what? That is the Lord has destroyed the works of your hand. And the ships were broken. It was a business venture that they were not able to go to Tashish. So because you joined yourself, to, you could have done business, you could have joined yourself with someone else. Why Isaiah? Why Need to understand who Azar was. Azar was someone who had no regard for God. Azar was someone you know that raised altars to bow. So you have a relationship with me. Having that relationship with me should inform the choices of your relationship. That's what God was trying to say to him. So you can see he kept making wrong choices. They corrected him the first time, the wrath has come upon you. He still went ahead to join himself with the wrong person. The second foundational understanding you need to have. Is that who you marry matters to your destiny? Who you marry matters to your destiny. <laughs> Second Chronicles twenty-one verse five to six. Second Chronicles twenty-one five to six. The Bible says Jehoram was thirty and two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eighty years in Jerusalem. Now Jehoram is the son of Jehoshaphat. And I'm going to get to that during the course of the message. But in case I forget to mention it, let me just say this. Things are usually transferred in families. Whether you decide to or not, especially for those of us that are parents, and every one of us will be parents in a matter of time. What you do is programming your children to behave in a certain way. God had to keep correcting Jehoshaphat. He didn't know he was already programming his own son. His own problem was with association, not with whom he he got married to. But in the life of his son, it manifested in the choice of marriage. Now, it says he was 32 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the ways of the king of Israel, like the house of Ahab. We all remember who Ahab was, right? Ahab was the husband of Jezebel. Do you know that even Ahab himself was not a bad person? Ahab was the son of a Levite or a priest thereabout, but he got married to Jezebel, which ended up messing up his reign. Now look at what happened. The Bible says that, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he married the daughter of a wrong man. Where you marry matters to God. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking to singles first this morning. You just say, "Ah, no, 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 no. It does not matter. That is from the black pot. That white white pap comes out. All those nonsense proverbs. It does not apply in marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, there are unique cases in which the individual from the proverbial black pot has changed themselves. But you can't marry someone that has a belief system, the principles, the standard, the lifestyle, that is in total variance to the standard of God's word. And you think that marriage is going to work or turn out well. It won't. Praise the Lord. The third thing we need to understand is this. What is happening in your marriage matters to God, for those of us that are married. What is happening within that marriage? Marriage is not just between a man and the, and the wife. Marriage is between... A couple and their God and God is watching in Malachi chapter 2 verse 11 to 16 we read that at the midweek recharge on Wednesday and I want to go back to that scripture I'd like to read if you have another um, the other translation apart from the KJB. I think that's the HCSB you can put that on the screen I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation it says Judah has been unfaithful and a detestable thing Has been done in Israel. Okay, maybe we just read the same scripture. Let's read together one to go. Judah has acted treacherously, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the lost sanctuary, which he loves, and has married what the daughter of a foreign god. (laughs) So it means God observed who Judah decided to marry. He said, to the man who does this, may the Lord cut off any descendants from the tent of Jacob. Even if they present an offering to the Lord of hosts. So God is going to cut them off. (laughs) Verse 13, it says, and this is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning. Because he no longer respects your offering or receives them gladly from your hands. Yet you ask, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. It says, you have acted treacherously against her. Though she was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. This the one God make us with a remnant of his life breath. And what does the one seek? A godly offspring. So watch yourselves carefully. And do not act treacherously against the wife of your youth. If he ate and divorces his wife says the lord god of israel it covers his garment with injustice says the lord of hosts therefore watch yourself carefully and do not act treacherously did you see that let me tell you this even though this is addressed specifically to men it also applies to women in marriage how you speak to that man matters in marriage how you talk to that woman matters to god God is saying your offerings are rejected simply because of how I see you treating each other in marriage. So marriage is not a decision you just make and, you know, it does not matter to God. It does matter to him. That's oftentimes I tell people, well, you know, you are not ready to rise up to the standard and requirement of marriage. Why did you marry? See, marriage is not by force. That's what Apostle Paul was trying to tell the church. He said that he wishes everybody could be as single as he is. Or as it was, he said, but if you decide to marry, be be aware that certain demands will be placed on you. It will be placed on you. And so we must realize that this morning. You see, it's very important. The Bible says that one of the things God wants in every marriage is that godly seeds should be raised. Godly seeds should be raised. There's also this funny ideology that makes, you know, some people to believe that it is the woman's responsibility to raise the children. Or it's just the man's responsibility to do this and to do that. It is the responsibility of both parties. Because whatever you don't <laughs> program into your children, it may never be there. You have to raise them to be godly. You have to raise them to be godly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us may be thinking, I don't have kids yet. It is better you know that that's one of the requirements of marriage. If you are not ready to raise godly children, if godly children want to raise woke children, marriage is not for you as a believer. Because when you see so many things happening in our world today, you can see failed parenting. Some of us know Johnny McClurkin is something that is publicly himself spoke about it. How when he was young, I think maybe he was nine, thereabouts, his uncle raped him. That's incest plus homosexuality. When he was 14, when he became 14, his uncle son raped him. So he runs in the family. What kind what, what are they talking about in that kind of house? You see Abraham also, Isaac, Jacob. What was the common thread in that family? Lies. They were expert liars. And it kept multiplying in each generation. To the point that when Jacob had his own children, not one person carried that spirit. Ten sons carried it. They organized the lie. That they kept for 13 years. Made their father to believe a lie that Joseph was dead. So please understand marriage is more than you and your desires. David's adultery with Bathsheba. You can see how it killed Amnon. Because he didn't deal with it. So Amnon saw it. And decided to sleep with own half sister. In the next generation what happened? It amplified in Solomon's life. 700 babes or wives, 300 side chicks. It multiplies. Some of the things many of us are dealing with now, you think it's just about you. If you don't deal with it, it will amplify really amplifying the life of your children. So what are the lies people believe? The first lie is this, and we're going to be very fast. If we leave it, it will eventually blow over. That's what I call the conflict lie. If we leave it, it will eventually blow over. (laughs) So many believe that if we have a conflict, I'm in a relationship, I'm in a marriage, there's a misunderstanding between me and my significant other. If we just leave it over time, it will blow over. It's a lie. It's a lie. It never works. Whatever seems to have blown over is waiting for you in the future. It has not blown over. You only kept it under the rug. And over time, there will be no space under the rug anymore. To hide the conflicts, it is utter foolishness to believe that marital problems left unattended to will blow over. You see, let me tell you this from experience in years of counseling, I've realized that there is nothing people have problems with in marriage that did not show up in courtship. Nothing. It's just that people, it will blow over, it will change. I know how to pronounce <laughs> it change. She will change. They just assume it, it will blow over. Something you did not deal with. If you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. That's what the Bible says in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, Can two work together except they are in agreement? Except they are in agreement. Except they are in agreement. I used to be in a relationship, you know, years ago. And the reason why the relationship ended was because there was constant conflict. When there is constant conflict in a relationship, it is a red flag. Some people, you see, have so, some people have a dysfunctional upbringing. I believe the more we fight, it means we are getting closer. Why did you see that? Some people just, ah, we've not fought this week. So they will look for something to fight over. You know, there are some people because of the unfortunate upbringing they have, they must always be fights. If everything is calm, ah, this relationship is so peaceful for my liking, they will look for a problem. If you leave it, it will not blow over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the major reasons you must avoid it, why people in their marriages now, they say conciliable differences. Uh-huh. When conflict not resolved, it will become irreconcilable. So irreconciliable differences don't happen overnight, they happen over time because things were not addressed. And it is a problem with this generation. People are becoming short-fused. Any little thing they don't want to address it, they don't want to confront See, let me tell you this, is a bad behavior not to learn how to confront issues. You say, I don't want to talk about it, let's just move on. No, you are not moving on. You thought you moved on, you did move on. If there's one thing I learned practically from my parents growing up, my parents don't believe in going coming. If something happens, they talk about it right there on the spot. and i adopted that when we got married so when i tell us first lady and i we've never i'm not trying to sound so you know so special and perfect we are not a perfect couple but we understand certain things that makes our marriage seem perfect something is not right you not know, you be brooding over it ah, you know you see the moment you don't talk about something Satan will give you different interpretations if you don't address it immediately praise the lord you see, conflicts left unattended to are like wounds. They fester. And when the wound begins to fester, over time it will become infected. And sometimes the medicals said, when you eventually take the person to the hospital, they might need to cut off the hand. Cut off the leg. Cut something off. Something that could have been addressed with taking some medications. And eventually leads to a loss, the loss of a limb. Because it was not addressed learn not to sweep things under the carpet if the marriage is important to you if the relationship is important to you face the conflict face the conflict face the conflict there are reasons why people experience conflicts in marriage or relationship causes of conflicts are personality differences personality differences please understand that you will be different from your partner your partner can never be you if it's been discovered that opposites always attract How it happens is still God's genius. I'm yet to see, there are very few, you know, very few that you have a man and a woman exactly the same way. If you are organized, there is a likelihood, in case you don't know, let me review to you in advance. If you are organized, who you are going to marry will not be organized. You know that now. So, understand that you will be the one rearranging everywhere. Understand that now. So you don't burn the house down because of disorder. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Personality differences is one of the major reasons people experience conflict in marriage. Some people, God wired them to be cholerics. They are aggressive. They are go-getters. Unconsciously, if they are not spirit trained, they see human beings as tools. And that's why everyone that has achieved anything major in our world are principally cholerics because is how they get something done or they get it done. Once they set their eyes on something, that thing must be done. Some people are wired that way. Most times, if a choleric gets married to a choleric, there will be problems because nobody will listen to the other person. Everybody will be giving order. When everybody's giving order, who obeys the order. God wants for people to be sanguines. They are extroverted. They are socialized. Talkative. You know, I say talkative, not in the negative sense. But they know everybody. They're everybody's friend. They can't keep, you can't keep them on the same spot. You get to a party, they are everywhere. My wife is principally a sanguine. When we go to parties, I know we didn't go to party. I went to the party. Because when we get there, she will leave me. If you don't understand that, I think couples fight because of that. And we get there. You now left me. She will leave you. She's not like you. I, mean, I can sit down on the same spot. For 10 hours. You think I'm just sitting down? My mind is already working. I'm working as I'm sitting. But our whole work is she must be moving. If she, she sits on the same spot, she's sick. She is nothing, something is not right. It's just like when you see children sitting on the same spot. When people say these children, they are making us, they are running around too much. It's a good sign. A child that is not moving around is sick. That's the way they are wired. Some people are wired to be melancholies. They are always living in their head. They live in an ideal world. They are orderly, structured. Some people are phlegmatics. Very loyal people. Just be pushing them. They go any direction. We say go here. They go. "Go." (laughs) Praise the Lord. And they could be very disorganized. Another cause of conflict is upbringing. 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 You see, sometimes when people say things like... (laughs) The rich people don't want their children to marry poor people. They know what they are doing. You may fight it, but you will also become rich in the name of Jesus. Say amen. amen. Because the way a rich person interprets something is different from the way a poor person interprets it. It's a major cause of conflict in marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For instance, if I tell you I'm traveling, what comes to your mind? It depends on your bringing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Remember, we're having a conversation, you know, with uh, one of our mentors, you know. So, firstly, we're having a conversation. Okay, we'll be traveling. I told her, I said, explain that traveling. The traveling she thought you said is that we are going out of the country. He said, why? I said, that is our worldview? view. Explain the traveling you meant. When you hear traveling, what comes to your mind is dependent on your bringing what a rich person considers as life necessity a poor person considers as luxury it's a major cause of fight in marriage some people were trained programmed by their parents to so press toothpaste from the bottom ah huh? because it must be managed and after it finishes you cut it you must maximize your money ah huh? and someone you now get married to someone that even toothpaste have not finished they've thrown it away they've bought two more or everybody has their own toothpaste As simple as that is, I've seen two things cause major crises in marriage. Trust me, I know what I'm saying. I see, whether Christian or non-Christians, I'm privileged to counsel people, uh, you know, professionally, these things happen. Upbringing is a source of conflict if it is not properly managed. Praise the Lord. You know, see, as simple as I may step on some toes. <laughs> you know, there are some people that when they buy clothes, they don't remove tag. It's poverty. Some people they will buy TV. All those things they put around TV, the function of the TV, it is still there. One year, two years later. You can't see that in the house of a truly rich person, except if it's a first generation wealth. You can't see that. Because the purpose of packaging is for it to be removed the moment you buy it. In fact, I've been stuck with things that I've bought. Eventually, when I tried them and I realized they are not my size. Because when I buy something immediately, I throw away everything. When i not ah, it's not my size. I'm stuck with it. But I know people that they can keep that thing for the next five years. In fact, I've been to people's houses unconsciously. I said, ah, what is it? I'll just remove it. <laughs> I remember when they were fixing these aces, the person that came to fix it. As they finished it, I just removed all the things. He said, ah, pastor, am I you? am I you? am I your? I said, Kimaya, that is all removed. movie. say. Ah, he said, that thing, we can sell it. He said, this, There are places where they sell ACs. Like, I think he said, the put that those things they buy it. They will put it on used ACs and sell it as new. Ah. That's poverty. So now you imagine somebody that grew up with the mindset of you buy something, you remove everything immediately and throw it away, even before you try it. And somebody that must be cared for one year. Would there be problems? There will be problems. If they don't talk about it, there will be problems. Now, that does not mean it cannot be managed. But if they don't deal with it, there will be problems. Also, love language creates conflicts. When you're expressing love to the person in the way they don't understand or in the way you want to be loved. Understand that in marriage or in a relationship, you don't express love the way you want to express love. You express love in the way the person wants to receive love. Because it's not yourself you are loving. Some people, the best way you express love to them is words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, tangible gifts. But if you are single, be careful of touch. Praise the Lord. Touch is not for you, so don't be touching what you're not supposed to be touching. Praise God. We are still very old school like that. Because some of you are, pastor is old school. What is it? Don't worry. I'll soon get there. Another thing that creates conflict is apology. In fact, this is a major one. Apology language. For many of us, we believe to apologize is to say sorry. No, there are five ways of expressing apology. The basic is saying sorry. And that is what is referred to as expression of regret. By saying I'm sorry. There are some people, for someone like me, if you say sorry, you know, it even depends on when you say the sorry. But That's not my primary apology language. If you say sorry and the same thing repeats itself, it makes no sense to me. For some people they just want to hear that sorry i am sorry for some people the apology language is accepting responsibility accepting responsibility by saying i was wrong you must acknowledge what you did was wrong don't be telling me stories uh when the chicken flew across the road the bull now met it along the way um trailer now jammed the what's all that the third apology language is making restitution for some people and you do that by asking, what can I do to make this right? What can I do to make it right? For some people, you don't need to say, I'm sorry. You don't even need to accept. It. just ask, what can I do to make this right? Number four is genuine repentance. When you say, I would never do that again. And you mean it. And you actually don't do it again. Number five is requesting forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? Some people are so proud that they are too big to ask for forgiveness. And let me tell you this: some people that's the apology language. Say all oh, the sorry change. If you don't ask, you, you, they will even tell you, you think I've forgiven you, Abby. Consider, you think I've forgiven you because you didn't ask. Don't want to dwell too much on that, you know, because we are still on number one. <laughs> Gender differences also create conflicts. A man will never be a woman, and a woman will never be a man. I've seen a lot of men complain. Say, so my wife is too emotional. Yes, she is. She's not supposed to be like you. Men are logical. Men interpret situations from a logic standpoint. When a man says sorry, ah, sorry now, I've said sorry. You're sorry. She must understand it emotionally. I don't understand what I've done. She's just crying. <laughs> That's why you say that during worship, it is women that cry the most. How many men have you seen crying during worship? How many men? Very me, I've tried to cry several times, it doesn't work. I've even mean, myself, Cry now, you know? <laughs> you know. Most men are not now. There are a few men that are also emotional, depending on not bringing. If you were raised, I'm, but me, I was raised among women, I'm still not emotional. I don't know, I'm the only guy in the last child, I don't know why that is. Praise the Lord. Also, women are more relational. When I'm more relational, most men, if they are relating with you, there is a strategy behind it. As well as a woman, when a guy is just coming around you, he has a goal. Don't just say he's just being nice. He's not just nice. Men are, see, men don't waste their resources. It's not just sending you texts. He like, said, But it's just four naira. How they even chat for text? I don't know. You know, it's just text. It's not just text. And like Eve, if you keep hearing him long enough, you will believe the voice of a serpent. It's only a matter of time. Oh, no, there is nothing. And that's where it starts. It more starts with something. A woman talks for affection, a man talks for information. If a man calls you, there is he's not just talking. Women just talk to talk. Men talk for information. There must be something. After you have to say, eh, guy, that's where that's the original reason why he called. Spiritual maturity also is a cause for conflicts. If you are growing spiritually and the other person is not growing, it's going to be a major source of conflict. It's going to be a major source of conflict. Someone cannot be growing spiritually, desire to learn more about God and know more about God, and the other person has no value for his spiritual environment. He said, "How the time, is this shush, 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 shush. Oh, this is your shush, shush, shush. And I say, boy, I love him or oh, I love her. There is fire on the mountain. Next reason for conflict is stupidity. What does that mean? Stupidity is simply focusing on unnecessary things at the expense of what is most important. That's what it means to be stupid. It's not an insult. It's an English word. Because in this part of the world, once people hear something they've attributed to, ah, it's Pastor saying I'm stupid. No, but you may be, depending on how you are conducting your life. But I've seen people destroy their marriages and relationships over stupid things. For instance, what I said earlier, toothpaste. How did toothpaste make, you know, one day I go, you know, even if there is nothing logical why my marriage must work, let's even say I don't believe in God's standard, I don't believe in, you know, I sometimes try to tell myself logically, why will I want to go through the pain of wedding and courtship again? Except if you didn't do things right. I'll be going to meet this family, meet this one meet this uncle, meet this auntie on, on engagement day, I will prostrate three times some people, ah, like my brother-in-law sat down, <laughs> daddy was looking at him you sat down, prostrating for you and me. <laughs> how why do you want to go through that evil logic some people don't think about all that, just say, what is it get out, it's over just like that, how much did you spend on your wedding, how much did you spend on photography, video so you want to do all those things all over again you are not the only man in the world they are not the only woman in the world Ah, you have enough money to waste it's obvious you have no life goal some people fight over cold or hot food that's stupidity no why should my food if it is too cold microwave it it's as simple as that it's as simple as that but see people don't think that far but you know I like my food hot I like my food hot ok you like your food cold but she gave you hot ah Put it on that fan or under AC, it will become cold. It's as simple as that. I'll put it in the freezer, let it be cold. I've seen people fight and almost destroy their marriage because no, this is my side of the bed. I'm telling you things my side of the bed. No, the sleep is sleep. If you have truly walked during the day and you are tired, when you land on any part, you sleep off. Even pillow, people argue about pillow. No, this is my own pillow. This <laughs> my people know what I'm talking about. It's looking so strange to singles. Don't worry, you will get there. When there is conflict, you can either fight by attacking each other instead of addressing the issue, or you can face the issue that is at hand instead of fighting. The second lie is this a successful marriage is a byproduct of luck. Or, like we say in the church world, it is the grace of God. It is grace of God. (laughs) That's what I call the luck lie. The luck lie. Many believe a successful marriage is a product of luck and predestination. Ah, God just they are just lucky. Look at that man and that woman, they are just lucky. Ah, there is grace, so grace is working. Let me tell you how grace works. Hmm? The Bible tells us. Let's go to Second Peter chapter two and verse two. Second Peter two and verse two. Second Peter chapter two and verse two. Now we'll go to King James. Let's do King James. Oh, really? Did I write the wrong quotation? Go to First Peter. Maybe it's First Peter. Go to first Peter. Okay, maybe someone should help me check it. But the scripture I'm looking for is grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, right? And of Jesus our Lord. It says, Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through knowledge. Someone can just do a Google search on that. Grace and peace is multiplied through knowledge. Okay, 1 and verse 2, alright. So that's where the mistake came from. Okay, let's go, you can open it, go to it, 2 Peter 1, 2. Alright, so let's read together, 1 to go. Grace and peace is multiplied, what? Unto you through what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So how does grace come? Through knowledge. So if you see people that are lucky, how they became lucky is that they know what you don't know. They say, ah, it's just the grace of God. They just have a grace for successful marriage. No. The grace came through knowledge. Nobody's that lucky. Huh? Even if your name is lucky. Praise the Lord. Nobody's that lucky. There is something they know that you don't know. And anybody can choose to be lucky. By finding out the truth and embracing it. Because some people know the truth, but they just refuse to embrace it. They refuse to stay with their tradition. They refuse to stay with their own opinions. They refuse it. They choose to stay with their tradition, choose to stay with their opinions, choose to stay with the counsel of people whose marriage is not working. See, so life operates on a cause and effect principle. Cause and effect, not luck. Cause and effect. If something is working and it is working consistently, go find out why is it working. What does that person know? That couple, what do they know that most likely I do not know? The next lie, number three, is no one can teach you about marriage because they don't know your spouse. It's what I call the tutelage lie. No one can teach you about marriage because they don't know your spouse. You must have had that before. They <laughs> you know what they know? I know. Did they marry your wife? Did they marry yours, husband? Nobody can teach you. As a lie that people believe. And a lot of people have gone into marriage believing that lie. And one of the ways you know you're already living in that, in, on the path to that lie is if as a single you are engaged or you are going into a relationship or you're already in a relationship and there is no plan to have premarital counseling. You're already living in that lie. And let me tell you this. If you don't do premarital counseling, it's not by force. But let me tell you this it is waiting for you. That thing that you refuse to learn, it is waiting for you in marriage. Trust me. I've been doing this for a while. I've seen the pattern. It will wait for you. In Isaiah 30 and verse 20 to 21. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 20 to 21. The Bible says, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, it says, Yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner anymore he says but your eyes shall see your teachers and your are here we call that scripture a lot in this house and your ears will hear a word behind you saying this is the way walking it's when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left but what did he say that you will hear how will you get direction by hearing the word of the teachers god has sent to you the word of your teachers it is what you have been taught. You remember in the day of crisis. And when you get to certain points in your life, it is those things that you have heard that comes back to you as a form of reminder that, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do in this situation. The titulate lie. That's why Jeremiah 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, I will give you pastors according to my heart. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding? Not who will give you prophecy in every service. It's amazing what people are looking for today in churches. People are looking for performance. Someone that will be calling their phone number. Things like that can happen sometimes. But you can not be professor in every service. That's not the job of a pastor. He says, I will give you pastors according to my heart. who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. It simply means when you are in the church, your level of understanding should be growing. You should have better understanding. You should not stay the same way you are. You've been attending a place for three months and your level of knowledge is still the same. If that happens, it shouldn't be that it's the pastor that is defaulting his responsibility. It should be that you are the one that have refused to embrace the truth. Praise the Lord. So the lie that nobody can teach you about marriage is another lie that destroys people's marriage. Saying no one can teach you about marriage is like saying that no one can teach you about driving. Or no one can teach you... Can say, I'm Nobody taught me driving but you must have destroyed somebody's car or dented some part of that car. Yes or yes? Of course, some people thought themselves driving, but not without errors and mistakes. And let me tell you this, you don't have to have cars to be a star. You don't have to go through pain. In life, you are either learning from teachers or you are learning from errors. Nobody can teach you how to get married. Nobody can teach you how to choose a right partner. Nobody can teach you marriage. When you hear those things, you simply you are hearing the words of people who have refused to learn. And people who rather go through pain. The average cost of divorce in the United States uh, is $25,000. That is way cheaper than counseling. Way cheaper than going for a marriage workshop. Way cheaper than books on marriage. But people will not learn. People will not learn. Nobody can teach you about marriage. But Mordecai taught Esther how to marry king. How to marry King axis. She had somebody teach her. She, she didn't just become the, you see, that's one of the ways you provoke favor, by submitting to a, teacher, uh, to a teacher. Somebody taught her how to marry the king. You look at the life of the other women. Nobody was teaching them anything. Eventually, when she got into the palace, because she had been used to learning from Mordecai, she found the person that was close to the king and still learned from the man. What would the king like? But no, we are a woke generation. We know how to present and package ourselves. Show some flesh. You will get the man. The man you get through cleavage cannot be kept through cleavage. Because somebody else will have a bigger and fresher cleavage. Get that? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what this generation teaches you. Show some flesh. See, they taught Esther how to marry the king. Nobody taught Vashti how to keep the king. So she lost her crown. <clears throat> Nobody can teach you. They don't know your wife. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. I think we should see that. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And most people, most women are praying for a wife. Most times they pray for um, a husband. They pray for, you know, a Boaz. That God should give them their Boaz. How did Ruth get married to Boaz? Naomi taught her. How to position herself how to shoot your shots they taught her said, I know what I'm doing I know what I'm doing do you even in marriage the Bible says we have to be taught we're gonna um, verse 5 the Bible says speak the things that become sound doctrine verse 2 I said we are going to verse 5 didn't say jump to verse 5 but speak down the things which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not giving to much wine. Teachers of what good things. That is older people in the church. See, that's one of the benefits and advantage the leverage the church gives you. How can you be a single and there is no married person in church that you can learn from? You are in a secret relationship. Secrecy is a breeding ground for, for sin. That's why you say, let me tell you this, there is no marriage that is going through crisis that cannot be restored. It's because oftentimes people keep it until it is too late, when things are scattered. When it has scattered, they now want to disturb the people they should have carried through the process. It says, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be what? Sober. To To what? So even how to love your husband, they can teach you. Say, no, he's not my husband. Nobody has married my husband before. Stay there. He says, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God be not blasphemed. What does that mean? You look at the life of some believers and you are wondering, if this is what it means to be a believer and your marriage is like this, then what's the point being a believer? The word of God is being blasphemed in your life god seems to be a liar in your life and that shouldn't be praise the lord but you have received to so learn you know even running you can be taught the running of tobiah musa is not your own normal running she was coached to run like that you know who tobiah is right the way you guys are looking like you don't know who that is praise god the fourth lie. Hey number four the perfect spouse will make my life perfect as a lie i call it the perfection lie (laughs) nobody has what it takes to make your life perfect some people believe ah after marriage my life is not perfect it must be that i married wrongly no you married rightly it's because it is not that person's responsibility to make your life perfect and perfection is a process it's not a destination it's a process. Proverbs 4 and verse 18, the path of a just man. Any area of his life is as a shining light. It gets better with the passage of time. It's like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter, even unto the perfect day. People only look perfect in pictures. Because of the job of the daughter of this world, they will edit you. And brother Dave, they will have edit you you will look at yourself. All of us are taking pictures you look at, ah, no, this cannot be me. Because you know you are not that far. <laughs> they have removed all the peoples. That <laughs> only happens in Photoshop. It's not real. So no human being, living or dead, has the capacity to make your life perfect. And you will never find a perfect spouse. In fact, if you find a perfect spouse, you are the one that will destroy that imperfection because you are not perfect. You will not find it On Instagram, on Facebook, or on Tinder. Lest you meet a Tinder swindler. (laughs) Number five, if I change my spouse, I will be happier in marriage. You will die in unhappiness. Some people have attached their happiness to the transformation of somebody else. It never works. You don't have what it takes to change anybody. Even if you change them, you will still not be happy. You think what you are looking for is happiness. No, what you are searching for is joy. And joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from within. You see, let me tell you this. If you have the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, what someone else is doing will not really matter much to you. Because it will not affect what is going on on your inside. What you need is joy. Because happiness is from the word happenings. And so when things don't happen, your emotion goes up and down. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not determined by external circumstances. Am I making sense this morning? I call that the change lie. Now, when it changes, when she changes, then I'll become happy. <laughs> it never happens. never happens. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 or 2, the Bible says in the same way, Wives must accept the authority of your own husband. Then, even if some refuse, do you see that? To obey the good news. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, all right. It says, even if some husband refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So you want to change someone. The best way to change someone is to change yourself. Number six lie is that absence makes the heart grow fonder as when we are apart, we value ourselves the more the distance lie let me tell you this i know there is a spirit of relocation going on in the world now and there's nothing wrong i've said some people will travel as ordained by god but let me tell you this we have the standard in this house if you are relocated as a married person you relocate with your spouse We don't believe. If you tell me a person and say, this is what I've decided. What do I want to do? I'm not the one in control of your family. But please understand our standard. Distance of people. See, the reason why the first marriage crisis was because Adam was absent when the serpent was speaking to Eve. Where was Adam? He had gone to America. Gone for master's. (laughs) <laughs> Eve, Eve was in beggar. <laughs> Praise God. The distance was there. Distance destroys marriages. When God created the first marriage, he didn't put Adam in Eden and put Eve somewhere else. They were together. I know there are situations when one of these days, maybe we're going to address that as a topic, where people have to be separate for a while. But it should not be the norm. Some people even take pride in it. My, my boyfriend is in U.S., congratulations it's not an achievement that way it's a boyfriend it's, it's a new year soul. someone is boyfriending him for you most likely a relationship you've not seen each other for three years five years and you believe you are still in a relationship even legally if you've lived apart for three years that marriage can be dissolved without much story legally because even the law recognizes marriage is not supposed to be separate it's a distance lie. I mean, we like, once are. So when we now see each other like this, all the things we're not spoken about is a lie. There are many things that will be left unsaid. Even the people that are together, there are things they are living unsaid. Now to not talk of you that, we are a thousand miles apart. I'm not judging anybody. Situations may arise for that to happen. But when that kind of situation happens, know that it is not the ideal. Walk towards being together. I say, No, don't worry, you'll be in Nigeria. I'll be sending pounds. I'll be sending dollars. That's nonsense. Number seven, I can relax now that I'm married. That's your relaxation lie. Some people is when they are, especially for the men. When a man wants to get a babe, you can see the work. He buys the gift they are not asking him for. Both useful and useless gifts. It will be buying a time he should call, time he should not call. Now he is married. To talk to the woman is now a problem. And the excuse is, uh, is, is you know I want to? Is this money I'm looking for? Is for us? It's a lie. And you have believed it because you believe that the major work has been done, so there is no work to be done anymore. John nine and verse four. Jesus said, "I must work the works of Him that sent me." You don't stop working because you have gotten fired. It is when you have gotten married, the real work now starts. That's when the work starts. The ones you did in courtship is riazza. You are simply practicing. Praise the Lord. So please understand that. Understand that. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the life people even tell themselves. They don't have time for each other. They say, hey boy, you can see I'm paying house rent. Where are you are? Why are you not paying house rent? <laughs> paying bills is not part of the work in marriage you. That Sustains the marriage because those are things human beings do. It is the acceptance of the responsibility of adulthood paying bills. It's not working on the marriage. Because if you were not married, you still be paying bills. Will you be living free? You want to rent the house? Say because I'm single. Well, I don't want to move moving. You go to a car shop, say you are single, take the car. No, that's because I'm paying the house rent, I'm doing this. Then I, what, what else do you want? Are simply fulfilling the responsibility of the adult life. Praise the Lord. So understand that lethargy is a marriage killer. It's a marriage killer. Don't allow that happen. You need to keep doing the things you did before you got married. Don't relax. Don't relax. You know, don't relax. Dress up. It's not the time in the house you'll be wearing boo boo. For married people, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You go out, everybody sees your best, but the person living with you sees your worst. You don't do that. You keep yourself together. You remain chaseable in marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, I want my nanny. I want my nanny. It's these children? I <laughs> say, He's not chasing you. Do you look chaseable? Make yourself chaseable. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number eight, you will like this. We need to live together before marriage to practice being married. It's the housemate lie. In fact, this one, I deliberately did research on it. <laughs> See, the odds of getting a divorce or having a failed marriage increases the more you live together. It does not reduce it. Statistically proven. One of the research I did discovered that up until a generation or two ago, the idea of living with your boyfriend or girlfriend without being married to them would have been shocking and almost unthinkable. Today, cohabitation has become so common that it is almost shocking when people don't live together before marriage. Remember, I told us starting out that the amount of people that believe a lie will never convert us into the truth. Never. And one of the things that has been discovered is that the more people are living together, the lesser the number of people that is now getting married. Over the years. That's why today you are fully grown single men. Who should have been married by all standards. But like I said at the last Instagram Live, why should you pay for a cow where you have access to the milk for free? It's common sense. So as a cow... In quotes, you have taken yourself to the house of the Katsuriara. And he's taking the milk every day. You now say, oh, when are you going to pay for the cow? Well, where will he pay? He can never pay. In fact, one of the things I discovered in my research that was discovered is, that, and this research is even people that are not even born again. Is that people that live together, when they eventually get married, they get married because their life is already intertwined. Not because they now decide to get married and they see they need to get married. It's because they realize that it's not economicalism so it is economics that makes them to eventually get married. What if we are not having sex if we live together? I'll address that. You should know me by now. All your questions I've answered it because I know people have loopholes. According to the United States Census Bureau, and you know that the US they they live life anyhow, but they discovered this. They are census board. They say young adults from age twenty-five to thirty-four, among young adults, you know, between age twenty-five to thirty-four, cohabitation is now seventy-four times more common than it was fifty years ago. For people ages, this is the one that blew my, <laughs> I did say, blew my socks off. For ages 18 to 24, cohabitation is 94 times more common. So if you are between 18 to 24, who are you? You are students. And it is not far-fetched. You go to schools today, campuses, people are living together. Your parents give you money to collect hostel. You say, no, time will allow you to read better. It's not because you want to read. Is she, no? She's not looking for she. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? Is it for? And now I say I want to move to town. Huh? Stray bullets. <laughs> you now move to town. As you move to town, he or she now—you know the one I don't even understand—is the men moving in. Don't you have shame? Now moving as is. Are you all right? There is something called a man's dignity and ego. You have lost it. So that they won't send you out like they sent that guy out. You know the guy they just sent out? They say about two thirds of married couples have lived together with someone, though not necessarily their spouse, before getting married. The Institute of Family Studies did that. If you are not married, let me tell you this you are not married. Stop acting married. You don't need the key to his house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you don't need the key to a house. There's nothing you are looking for that is lost. That's in case he wants to help me take something. Someone else should have that key, not you. Because one day, something will change you somewhere. And because you have key, that's where you will run to. If you are not married, you may be engaged, but you are still single. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you are single. If you are single, stand up. Someone that is engaged, they will not stand up. We are still single, Uncle. If you are not married, you are not married. You are either single or you are married. Engagements can break five minutes before saying, I do. There are people who have one wedding dress. As they are about to say, Ah, I don't. They step back. And their parents were smart and wise enough to allow them to make that decision. I see stupid parents who say, Ah, you want to put, put, put me to shame? My could you see me? We've called all the family. You are toying with the destiny of that child. It's better to disappoint everybody and to preserve the destiny. That destiny from making a wrong choice. Many people have walked down the house. They knew that they were making the wrong decision. But they look at the actual bees. That's why you must, you must be careful. All this pressure people are putting themselves under. You don't need the money to do the most important part of the marriage, of a wedding. In fact, the most important part is free. I do. That is, if you do everything, you get the most expensive vendors and you don't say I do. You are not married. That's the most important part. <laughs> Many say, how do we know if he or she will be a good husband or wife if we don't live together? You will know number one through the Holy Spirit. That's why you are a believer. I'm talking to believers this morning. If you are a believer or a non-believer, the next three applies to you. You know through observation. Number two, you know through investigation. Number three, you know through what? Interrogation. If you are single in this house and you don't know it, it means you have not read out to find the right person to marry. You should know it. You see, let me tell you this. In relationship, your eyes must be open. You watch and you pray. You pray. It's not everything you are told you believe. You are not suspicious, but you are carrying out your research. That's how you know. It's not by. Right. Because you can live with someone and still don't find out some things. There are people who have lived together. It was after they got married, three years, that the woman discovered the guy was in debt. Serious debt, oh, $10,000 debt. The guy was a chronic borrower. And in case you are in this house, will you be delivered from that spirit? Borrowing 10,000 here, 20,000 a year, 50,000 a year is a bad spirit. You don't want to go into marriage with that. Live within your size part-time. Please note that living together before marriage increases, the likelihood of getting a divorce Premarital cohabitation is associated, research tells us, with greater odds of divorce. Living together before marriage is a practice in unfaithfulness. Living together before marriage reduces your desire to get married because you're already pretending to be married. Living together before marriage leads to unwanted things. Almost one in five cohabiting couples become pregnant within one year of moving in together. You never planned to get married. It just happened. Because when you do what you're not supposed to do and one will show up. Living together before marriage makes it difficult to change a marriage the habit that existed when you were cohabiting because you saw it. And he or she will tell you, you saw me like that. And you are right. Living together before marriage is taking possession of a product you have not paid for. Let me tell you this, especially for the ladies, please listen to me. Moving in with a guy you are not married to shows you don't value yourself that much. We can say, we are trying to see if it will work. There are things you don't test drive. There are cars you don't test drive. Have you seen them test driving Rolls Royce before? Huh? You've seen them test driving Rolls Royce. He said, There are some cars you can't even. Is it that you have the money you pay? Because those cars, they can't have faults. Because I, I want to test it, maybe to check the mileage. No. You pay, then you take it. Don't be a Honda or Toyota, be a Rolls Royce. Everybody should not be test driving, you test driving. And most of the time when they test, how many, those of us that you bought cars, how many cars did you test? Did you buy all the cars you test? You test drove? (laughs) Praise God. According to the American College of Pediatricians, they say people who live together before marriage experience less satisfaction in marriage. They spend less time together in marriage they are less dedicated to their marriage. They are less confident about the success of their marriage. They experience higher rates of negative communication, adultery, and domestic violence. And when you cohabit first, everything you want to go up in marriage goes down. And everything you want to go down goes up. That's research now. People that don't know God. So you can say, A pastor is so no school, pastor is true, pastor is not woke. These ones, they are even dead. Because the man that is not born again, the spirit is dead. But they have sense. Research. Proverbs 14 and verse 12. The Bible says, There is a way that seems right to a man. It says, But the end thereof are the ways of death. It may seem right, it does not mean it is right. And in case someone is saying, Pastor, but we are not having sex. When you are living together, the danger of that again, and you are not having sex, is let me tell you what is going to happen. You are unnecessarily setting up yourself for temptation. It's as if someone is telling himself, bring the maximum temptation possible. Most likely you will fall. Number two, you are training yourself to be in a sexless marriage. Because you're already used to being with this person and not having sex. That's if you succeed. That's why people who live together, who have values as Christians say, no, but we didn't sleep together. Go and check it. Most times they don't have a good sex life. Because they've already trained themselves to be that way anyway. And number three, you are not a good example of a believer. Because how do you explain to people that you are not having sex? Because the natural thing that happens when people live together before marriage is that they have sex. So, how many people do you want to convince you are not sleeping together? So people see you, they come out in the morning. Even here, your voice already recalibrate, together. <laughs> For those worshiping with us for the first time, recalibrate is our daily prayer word. They hear your voice in the midnight. <laughs> and now come out in the morning. They don't know what happened after recalibrate. You have recalibrated yourself. The nice lie is this. I'll just mention the others because my time is already fast. and I want to take questions. Have you been blessed this morning? The nice lie is you should know my needs and wants without me telling you. That's the mind reading lie. If you want something in your relationship with your marriage, talk about it. That person can't read your mind. The Bible says no man knows the things of a man like the spirit of that man within himself. First Corinthians 2 and verse 11. Learn to talk about things. Instead of getting angry over things that you expect your partner to know and they don't know. The tenth lie is you cannot completely trust another human being. Not even your spouse. The secrecy lie. How many of us have heard that before? Don't trust any man, no. So you want to spend the rest of your life with someone you don't trust, sleeping with one eye closed and the other one open. How would you do that to yourself? Don't do that. The 11th lie is if my spouse is no longer vibing with me or whatever word you guys use now, it must be that we are out of love and there is someone out there that understands me better. There are different ways people construct it, but that lie is very prevalent now. I'm not feeling it again. I'm not feeling it filler that's the upgrade lie something that tells you there is someone out there that will fulfill that thing you seem to be missing it's a lie, it's a lie of the devil and the devil will tell you that lie, let me tell you this any married person that has had conflict will tell you the devil has whispered that lie to them, ah maybe I'm married drunk maybe you should have been a shake. <laughs> Your spouse is not a product that needs to be upgraded. So as a single, choose wisely. Once you have chosen, you have chosen. You can't re-choose and you can't unchoose. choose <laughs> The last but not the least is staying in a loveless marriage is an old school idea. That's the divorce lie. You no, know, today in some parts of the world, people even celebrate divorce anniversaries. You know, how many times have people? You see, people who have been divorced five times and they are proud. You see, the reason is this if what caused the divorce in the first place is not addressed, it will see happen. In fact, the more they divorce, the the more they remarriage, the greater the chances you will see have a divorce because there is one common denominator it is you, not you, the person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's one of the things cohabiting does. Cohabiting is a practice in divorce. So you're already used to moving out. You move into another person's house. You move out. So when you even eventually get married, to so pack your things, you're already used to it. Divorce must never be confused with a relationship breakup. That's the way some people see it. Yeah, well, I'm not doing it again. You're not doing what? You will do. <laughs> All the things you say, I do. You know, some people don't even hear marriage vows. Especially for the men. Do you? I do. I do. <laughs> they are not hearing. The hotel is what is in their mind. Pastor, release us, release us, release us. As I indicate to our wedding service, is not even up to 40 minutes maximum. 40 minutes. Because there is no message you want to preach that the people are not hearing. Their mind is already running wild. It's everywhere. So I say, if you've not finished saying what you're saying, I do. You know this man is not hearing anything. He's just saying, I do. So when the prophet now starts, I'm not doing oh, All this is, you say, you will do. Now you must start doing it. Father, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts. We thank you because the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. We have lent your truth this morning. Multiply it in our hearts. Help us to be a doer of these things. Let our lives, our marriages, our relationships, let it bring glory to your name. We thank you, Father, for answered prayers. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, I want to take questions. Questions. Do you have questions? I'll take four short questions. So, all right. So there's someone. Yes, you can use the mic. No, no, no. Okay, that's good. Let's celebrate our, Please come forward. Thank you. Okay.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Um, So my question has to do with um, love language. So I remember being in a discussion with one of my friends about, okay, so we know how important knowing your um, partner's um, love language is. But most times, the conflict of, for example, if you're with somebody who whose love language is quality time and yours is um, maybe uh, mostly called gifts, for example. Okay. So the person was saying, isn't it better to just find somebody that has your own love language? That way, you know how you want to. Isn't it better to what? Find somebody that has your own love language. That way, you guys are compatible. You can show love how you know to show love and the person is returning it in the same way. And I thought, okay, this is kind of valid, but I just want you to throw more light on it because sometimes it's a little difficult learning somebody else's love language, which is something you're not uh,
0: used to. All right, fantastic question. Let's celebrate her. Um, That's part of the work you do in marriage. Okay, so you'll find out someone that you share the same love language. What if the person is not your personality type? And the person has a different temperament. Would you also go and look for somebody you share the same temperament? The truth is you will never find a perfect person or someone that is exactly like you. And that's one of the things you do in marriage. That's what the work is. right? Most likely, the person will communicate love in a way that you are not communicating love. So the work is that you must now learn to adapt to that person. Marriage is all about adaptation. You'll get used to expressing love in the way that person understands and the way they want to be loved, not the way you want to communicate it. So that's where the work is. But to say that you will find someone that you will be the same, okay, you can share the same love language. And there are some areas in which you would, you know, share the same things. But I can assure you that it won't even be up to 50%. So if you're an organized person, you are sharing the same love language, but the other person is disorganized. So they will disorganize the love language. All right. Another question? If you want to ask someone that has the mic, please, because of time. Let's just put everything together at once. So then we we'll not have to be... Is someone using the mic? Okay. At what... Okay, what do you advise to intending couples constantly having issues or argument? For example, your partner getting angry, you have a change of mind. A change of mind about what? This question is too broad you know. So what do you advise if you're you're constantly having issues or argument? Then it also depends on what you're arguing about. What are you arguing about? You know. Are you arguing about foundational principles? Are you arguing about, you know, um, spiritual things? Things that are basic, like uh, you are praying too much, you are going to church too much, you know. Does your pastor have to be telling you what to do? You know. It depends on what you're arguing about. Yeah. Alright, um good morning, sir. So um for instance now, choice of church. Choice okay, of, so that's the yeah, the one works. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Choice of church, choice of career. Um okay, you you intend going out, then you change your mind, and like, I'm not interested in going out again. Like individual differences, so to say. Going out, if you've already given someone your word, you are going out. Why would you just change your mind? There must be a reason. The person you see, um, because people, especially when you're relating with a woman, she's not a switch. She just turn on and off. If you tell a woman we are going out, she has already imagined the day what she will wear. Most likely, she has gotten a makeup artist to do the makeup. You now say I change your mind. You can't a man. You changing your mind for a man. You know, I didn't get that. Just. You know, changing your mind for a man, you just remove your shirt, you remove your, you are, you are fine. A woman, she will first remove wig, remove eyelashes, remove, there are plenty of things to remove, <laughs> the armor of God. <laughs> so, <laughs> you cannot just be changing your mind like that. But if there's choice of church, um, is it that the person does not want to, to be a part of your church? What's the reason, you know, because those are some of the decisions you need to make as a single, right? Um... What church are we going to be going to? Are we going to stay in the guys' church, which is the normal, you know, traditional thing, what should happen? But I think the best decision should be what church is going to be most beneficial to us, not out of sentiment. What church is going to help us grow? What church will help us to become better Christians? What church? Because, you see, the choice of a church is not just, there are so many reasons people choose church nowadays. Ah, They have colored lights, going praise and worship. Church, doing tonal, tonal, warisi. You see, it's amazing why people choose church. Ah, there is a C in the church. Thankfully, we have all that. But you see, that's not enough strong reason to choose a church. Clubs also have that. That's not enough strong reason to choose a church. You see, going to a church, you must understand that you become what you hear over time. As a pastor, I'm very conscious of that. There is a kind of people we are raising in the Gateway Church. There's a kind of people... And so, the things we teach, as a pastor, I'm a seed sower. is the best I want to see that is the seed I sow. So, you have to be deliberate about the church you choose. That church you're going to or you are deciding to go to, is that church? Because some people just do church out of sentiment and that's the church I grew up in. That's the church I've always gone to in my life. Okay, how much has your life changed since you've been going to that church? You know, so, so that's those are some of the conversations you need to have. You know, so if those are some of the things you are having arguments over, I think it is something you really need to look into. You know, because I usually don't encourage in marriage for couples to go to different churches. You can't build a strong family like that. So you go to a church where they believe in declaration of faith. You believe, go to, the wife goes to another church where they believe that if something is not working right, they are doing you from the village. And the man is lazy. But you say they are doing it from the village. He's the one doing himself Do you understand? So um, let's pay attention. What if as a lady, I'm not emotional at all like other ladies? I see things from a logical standpoint. How do I cope since men are mostly logical? Most likely you will attract a man that is emotional. That's why I said, I think I mentioned that, that there are exceptions to the rules. There are some women that are not emotional and there are some men that are not logical. Depending on your upbringing. For instance, most women that are not emotional are usually firstborn. they have lots of siblings so they were trained to uh, to be responsible and you say african parents we need to listen to what i'm about to say a firstborn is not a parent a firstborn is a child (laughs) many people are dysfunctional bringing because of that i told you take care of your younger ones it's not that child's responsibility a five-year-old child that you are to be backing a baby himself is a baby So most times when a girl grows up as a firstborn, right, and has maybe like two or three siblings, most likely she'll not be emotional. She's going to be a soldier. (laughs) Giving all that to everyone. You, pick your shoe. You, sit down there. You, have you done your assignments? You know, because she's co-parenting with the parents. So most times it's as a result of upbringing. So there are exceptions to the rules. But as a woman, if you are like that, it is try and work on your emotional part Because there is something you are covering that shouldn't be covered. You have stifled that aspect of your wiring. And over time, it may be detrimental in marriage. You know. So whoever asked that question, I hope I've answered it. How do you tell your love language to someone without telling the person? Tell it. Why? Is it? What, what are you idea? What say it? So all the time the guy will just be sitting down with you, sitting down, sitting down, sitting down, talking, talking. I enjoy <laughs> are we going to be eating words? Bros, buy something. If that's your love language, giving of gifts, say it. I just mentioned that the mind reading lie. Right? People can't read your mind. You want something, say it. Or maybe your love language is quality time and it keeps buying gifts. The amazing thing is, if, love, if it's your love language, your love language is your love language. There are some people giving them gifts. Even if you like, buy G Wagon. If you are not spending time with them, that car means nothing to them. They will still be crying. You don't love me. Eh? I don't love you. With you don't spend time with me because love to her is quality time. So just say it. How do you shoot your shot as a guy if she's in a distant place? <laughs> this is an Instagram live session. <laughs> I did an Instagram live, I think that was upper week. I'm going to be doing another one tonight as much as possible. You know, I'm going to be doing that most times now. when uh, Last week I couldn't do that because I was busy, 8 p.m. So if you are not following me on Instagram, you should be following me. I want you to follow your pastor. Who are you following? And trust me, if you are following me, your life will not remain the same. You see, if you don't follow me, it does not really matter because I already have lots of followers. So I'm not asking you to follow me because I want to grow my followership. It's for your benefit, right? Uh, Just need to chip that in. What do you advise on abusive marriage? Jack, get help. If you're in an abusive marriage, please don't keep it to yourself. Talk to someone about it and leave that environment as soon as possible. Only the living can be married. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, apologize. He said we'll not do it again. The day we do it, there may not be anybody to help you around. It may be in the middle of the night. And you know 911 does not work in Nigeria. So, that's what I answer together for